for this final study. And I read everyone's group me, prayer requests, and what you're all going through. And I'm like, man, Lord, you just keep setting us all up, including me. You're not the only one, including me. So, But we are looking at tonight, for the new ladies that are here, weren't here, we're looking at becoming a woman whose God is enough. And this week we're looking at God, our all-sufficient shepherd. He's our all-sufficient shepherd. Psalm 23, 1, we all know what that scripture verse says, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. We were singing that tonight. Because he's our shepherd, we have everything we need. We really don't need anything else. That should bring a smile to your face because like we said tonight, the more I seek you, the more I find you, the more I find you, the more I love you, the more I love you. I want to just sit back, rest my head on your breast, just like the Apostle John did. I want to be that close to you, Jesus. But you know where that happens? You know this in your prayer closet. Not just that church. If you are doing that in your prayer closet, and we've heard this in our last Bible study, then when you come to church, it's just an overflow. It's an absolute overflow. David Romper, this is a quote from the Bible study. He said, because the Lord is my shepherd, I do not lack anything. He satisfies my needs. And that is the place to which God wants to bring us. He wants us to be so independently dependent upon him to need him alone. There are really only two options in life. If the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. But if I am in want, then it is obvious that the Lord is not my shepherd. Jeff and I have been doing a 40-day sugar fast, and it's not just sugar. Um, It's a devotional, and it's phenomenal. And God just exposed every other idol you look at and look to through it every day, every day. And he is, like, blown away at just how God is coming to him. And he don't have a sugar issue. But God is speaking to him. He's speaking to me. And this comes, uh, this is a quote from her book. Just think about what we just read, what David Rampa said. This is what she says in the 40-day Sugar Fast book by Wendy Speak. When we regularly run to anything or anyone else other than Christ to meet our deepest needs, we find only a temporary solution. How many of us have found that out the hard way? Christ is eternal. He satisfies us as nothing else because he is intimately acquainted with each and every part of our souls. 
Psalm 139, 13 says, you created my innermost being. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. You know what makes me tick. And you know how to fix what's so wrong in my heart. All the other things I look to, to meet my need. Or have to have a plan B in case your plan A doesn't come to pass. How many of us have done that? Instead of really resting in the reality that the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Charles Spurgeon, we all know who he is, right? Charles Spurgeon was the prince of preachers. That's who he was called. Listen to what he said. I don't even put myself near to what he has in the Lord. And yet look at what he says. The Lord is my shepherd. There is a noble tone of confidence about this sentence. There is no if, nor but, nor even I hope so. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd. We must cultivate the spirit of assured dependence upon our Heavenly Father. The sweetest word of the whole is that monosyllable, my personal it's intimate it's personal and it's intimate how he shepherds you will be different from how he shepherds you how he shepherds you will be different from how he shepherds me it's intimate it's personal and that's why it's so important to sit at his feet Lean back against him. Feel his heartbeat over the word or just sitting in his presence. A dear brother that we did ministry together for over 20 years, he sent us a text this week and he said, I'm just being obedient to the Lord. He said, I feel like God wants me to send this to you guys. And it was a, a worship, a worship video he sent to us. And today was really the first time I had where I could sit and really just sit and just take it in. And it's so anointed by the Lord that I was like, man, Lord, this is what you're after. Where we just sit in your presence and let you wash us, cleanse us, minister to us, fill us with your presence and your spirit. And I told Jeff, he hasn't listened to it yet. I said, you need to. I said, it's definitely anointed. And he was supposed to send it to us because everything this guy was singing about had to do with our Bible study. And he knows nothing about it, but he is spirit-led. I trust this brother, Bradley. He's spirit-led. And I was just like, you just confirmed, Lord, that we're supposed to be doing this. And confirm what Jeff's been led to preach the past few Sundays about being full of the Holy Spirit. It's all on that. All on that. I love how God just keeps confirming the word. Keeps confirming the word. But you see, that brother had to get with God, shut himself in for himself. And as he was shut in with the Lord, God kept impressing us on his heart. And he said, I might be way off, but I'm just being obedient to the Lord. 
And that's what happens. He shepherds you, and then you pass things on to others, and God's using it to shepherd them in the pathway he wants them to take, the pathway of righteousness. That's where he's leading us, onto the pathway of righteousness. So if you remember last week, we looked at Romans 8.32, for those that weren't here, where scripture says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how would he not also with him graciously give us all things? I mean, have you really pondered that from last week? The reality of that? <laughs> you know, it's amazing how Abraham had the revelation when he took Isaac to offer him on the altar. He had the revelation that God was Jehovah Jireh. He was going to provide, right? The ultimate sacrifice, his only begotten son for our sins. It's amazing how God made that so real to Abraham when he, way back then, you know, through his own son in Genesis 22, 14. But then we look at Jesus, what he had to say about him in John 10, verse 11 through 18. And this is from the Amplified Bible. I felt like getting it from the Amplified Bible, but it's references there. Jesus said about himself, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd risk and lay down his own life for the sheep. From Psalm 23, we see that. But the hired servant, he who merely serves for wages, who is neither the shepherd nor the owner of the sheep, when he sees the wolf come and deserts the flocks and runs away, and the wolf chases and snatches them and scatters the flocks. Some of you girls back there probably can testify to seeing that happen with animals, right? Yeah. And the wolf chases and snatches them and scatters the flock. Now the hireling flees because he merely serves for wages and is not himself concerned about the sheep. He cares nothing for them. But Jesus said about himself, I am the good shepherd and I know and recognize my own. And my own know and recognize me. Even as truly as the Father knows me, and I also know the Father, and I am giving my very own life and laying it down on behalf of the sheep. And I have other sheep besides these that are not of this fold, and I must bring those also, and they will listen to my voice and heed my call. And so there will be, they will become, eventually, one flock under one shepherd. The fa- for the, this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my own life to take it back again. No one takes it from me. On the contrary, I lay it down voluntarily. I put it from myself when I lay it down voluntarily. That's what I'm doing. I am Authorized, and I have the power to lay it down, to resign it. And I am authorized and have the power to take it back. These are the instructions or the orders which I have received as my charge from my Father. Powerful. Powerful. That's who our shepherd is. And you know, what's amazing, Paul, the Apostle Paul, I'm reading through the book of Acts right now, and I just, yesterday I was reading about Paul's encounter on the road to Damascus again. And um, it's amazing how Paul had a revelation. He saw the Lord, you know. 
And in Ephesians 1, 7 through 9, he said, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through the, his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. So the thought that came to me, you know, we see that Jesus is the good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep, right? For the flock. And there's others out there that he wants to bring in and bring and put bring into the fold, you know, bring them in, bring them in. That's what we pray for, right? So many times we pray for that. But, you know, what struck me is God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son to die for our sins. How is it that we can trust him for our salvation, but we doubt him or trust him for our everyday practical lives? How is it? I know we all struggle with this. We can trust that we're going to heaven. We're born again. We trust them for our salvation. We trust them for eternity. The, the things that we can't see. But how is it we don't trust them for the things we can see. The needs that we can see we have. And think that. Well, I don't know. I got to have this plan B just in case. He doesn't come through. The first point on our Bible study in, for this week what is, again, God has provided for all of our needs. And we see that in Psalm 23. I, I don't have to read it. I know you all know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. But when you look at it, look at how many times it says he, 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 you. You, the confidence, I will. I'm going to read it. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sometimes you you might feel like you're getting hit left and right with sickness or something else. Could it be he's trying to cause you to lay down in green pastures during those times? He leads me beside still waters when I'm frazzled. We had a counseling session with a, a woman yesterday and a man, uh, her and her husband, and she was just saying she had to fast the news because she's just riddled with fear to the point that it's, she's anxious. She's always anxious. She needs to be led by still waters so that he can restore her soul. You know, it's when we quiet ourselves down that he can restore our soul inside. We need that. We need that. He leads me, I said this already, in paths of righteousness, but it's for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow death, I will not fear no evil because I know you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they're a comfort to me. You also prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Some of you have to say that every day because of the circumstances you're going through. God, you are preparing a table for me in the midst of my enemies. 
You feed me. You satisfy me. You're speaking deep in here. I'm not lacking anything, really. Even though I'm surrounded by these enemies. This was David's testimony. Remember, he was a shepherd boy. And he was surrounded by enemies. And I saw where he was running and hiding. It's so rugged. And the terrain is, you wonder how in the world. How in the world. And yet this was his testimony. You set a table before me in the presence of my enemy. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You give me more than what I can even ask for. Surely, look at the confidence. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And the confidence that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That kingdom that never ends. This is temporary. All of this is temporary. But we're going to dwell in the house with the Lord forever. Isaiah 40, verse 10 and 11. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Listen to how it's so tender what we read here. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom. And gently lead those who are with young. It's amazing that our God is so holy, so powerful. The almighty God, the righteous judge of all the earth. That one day he's going to judge the nations. And kneel and kingdoms and and just kings are going to have to bow before him. Fallen angels, they're all going to have to bow. Every tongue will confess and kneel before him. And yet he's so tender and gentle at the same time. It is amazing. It's amazing how he cares for us. How much he loves us is amazing to me. We all know the woman at the well, right? The woman in Samaria and what Jesus told her. If you knew the gift of God and who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living waters. We sang about this tonight again. Troy. Troy was speaking it and it was a word from the Lord. And it was this. I was like, you're amazing, Lord. And she said, where then do I get that living water? I'm so thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for the real thing. I keep looking to these relationships, these men, and they leave me empty. I'm empty inside. And there was Messiah sitting in front of her, and he says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give to him, never thirst." But the water that I shall give to him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Again, we heard this tonight. We heard, he joined on the Lord, which study we were looking at. Yeah. He doesn't know anything. No. That's how you know God is here. God is speaking. He sees. That should encourage that he sees. He sees, he knows. We are, no. We're all, we're all going through it. 
So then what's our problem? <laughs> Scripture, I mean, it's so clear who he is, who we want to be to us. But why don't we doubt him? What's our problem? Or why don't we feel like he's not enough? Because remember, the whole Bible study is becoming women whose God is enough. Why don't we feel, no, you're not enough for me. I need this and this. And I'll squeeze you in there somewhere. And again, my study for this week, my devotional with the sugar fast, there was a day where the Holy Spirit just said, um, I was reading something. He said, this is a problem here. Jeremiah 2.13. The problem is, God spoke this to Jeremiah about his people. And the same is true for today. He said, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. That's the problem. That's why there's that emptiness inside. Because we look to other things when he's calling us. We've heard him calling us tonight. And for all of us, it's different. We all look to different things. And then we wonder at times, why do I feel like I'm, I'm like on my back? Or why do I feel like I keep getting hit with things? Maybe he's trying to get our attention. To come back to his feet. Sit in his presence. Let him be that good shepherd to us. Psalm 81 verse 10 and 12 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. It's his heart. Remember, the shepherd feeds the sheep. Mm -hmm. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So... I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. And the day that I was doing the sugar fast thing, it ties in beautiful with this Bible study, she was talking about how many times do we turn to our devices because we're lonely, because we're bored, because it's easy. How many devices, see she talked about this device here, but how many other devices do we turn to to fill us and we're not satisfied? We still come up empty. We can even look at the clock. I heard someone say recently in counseling, I went to check my, I think she was on a tablet or something, and she said, all of a sudden, I looked at the clock and realized how many hours I spent on it. You know, that's time you cannot redeem back. It's lost. It's gone. That's what the Lord keeps showing me. You can't redeem that back, Rose. So what are you going to do now? 
now that you know, what are you going to do? So what I would give you to do something Jeff and I have been doing as we're going through this fast together, ask the Lord to show you what devices are keeping you from feeding on him. Ask him to show you. He will. If you really want to know, he's going to show you. But then once he shows you, ask him, grant me repentance, genuine repentance, so I stop going back to the same thing. Because if I don't repent, I'm just hardening my heart, hardening my heart, hardening my heart, and that is a frightening thing to keep hardening your heart. Verse, uh, did you just say, I don't think it's in here. Psalm 81, verse 10 through 12. Psalm 81, verse 10 through 12, and Jeremiah 2, verse 13. So last week, just to go back to last week, for those that weren't here, we looked at how throughout the scriptures and history, we see God's people have always struggled to remain in God's presence, right? That's what the Old Testament keeps showing us. How many times they would wander from the Lord, God would deliver them, and they, he would send prophets to them to turn back to me, repent, and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But yet reality is we have to remind ourselves that God has given us the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus had to die. Because in the Gospels, he said, it is good for you that I go away after he resurrected so I can send you the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit your helper. He will help you to be able to live what he's telling us, what we're hearing tonight. It's really a crucified life. To crucify the flesh. Crucify those devices or the other things we look to. And for all of us, it's different. It could be shopping. Today was online shopping with her message. How much money do we waste and spend a year to fill that emptiness inside? Go look at a credit card statement. My mom told me this yesterday. I love my mom. My mom's always... She's in her 80s and she's still giving me advice and I'm still learning stuff from her. She said, you know, you can go and see how much money you spend for the year on certain things on your credit card, on the apps that they have. And I was like, really? So I did that. And I was like, I'm, I'm curious to see. And then today was all on that, you know, spending. I was like, mm-hmm. And then you start saying, man, all that money could be going to ministries, different ministries around the world. We waste a lot of money. We all have different devices. We waste a lot of money. You know, we give our little 10% here and there. But if you really want God to deal with you, he'll show you these things. And then you realize, okay, something's got to change dramatically in my life. You know, the Holy Spirit, we love to quote Joel 2. God's going to pour out his Holy Spirit. And he did in Acts, in the book of Acts. And he's still pouring out his Holy Spirit because they had to continually be filled. You see that in the book of Acts. However, 
When you read Joel 2 in context, before the filling comes repentance. Repentance comes first, then he'll fill. So this is important. Because we need the Holy Spirit in a greater way for the days we're living in. It's not going to get better. An election's not going to fix this. Don't believe the lie, delusions that are in our land. It's not going to get better. But Jesus, here's Jesus. He's, he was calling us tonight, right? I mean, he was calling us tonight. John 7, 37 to 37. 37 to 38 in the New American Standard. He said, if anyone's thirsty, are you thirsty? Are you really thirsting for him? Then he says, let him come to me and drink. He's more than willing. This is our shepherd. He wants us to drink from the fountain of living waters. Living, not dead, cistern, stagnant, stinky, polluted water. Living waters. He who believes in me, Jesus said, as the scriptures say, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. We need that, not for us. It's not for us. It's for other people. Rivers of living water to be poured out for other people that are out there starving, thirsty, and they don't know what they're thirsting for. But we know. We know what they're thirsting for. Jesus, Messiah. And we come and we bring that to them. Innermost being in this portion of scripture has been translated from the Greek word K-O-I-L-I-A. Kolia? I'm not a linguist, so that's why I spelt it. Which is often used to describe one's belly. However, it's not, it not only represents the physical craving of the stomach, but also the emotional seat, which in English is our heart. It's our heart. Jesus is describing a spiritual emptiness in the human heart of mankind, not a physical hunger in one's belly when he said that. See, he made us. Right? The Father knit us together in our mother's womb. And he only made two genders, male and female. So he knows the core of our being, and only he can really fill it. So you had homework from last week. And as you examine your daily chores, in what areas? Are you tempted to satisfy your own desires instead of relying on the Lord's provision? Question number three. The girls back there are all smiling. Some of them do their homework, which I'm proud of them. Is there anything else that you're running to besides him? Maybe you turn to those who like, love, or care 
online on Facebook rather than the one who loves you to the cross. Why does that matter so much to us that are on Facebook? How many likes? Even ministry. I mean, I spoke about this at a podcast that I did. Even ministries are guilty of this. How many followers we have. How many are really converted? What about online? I talked about this online shopping. You know, Amazon Prime is both a blessing and a curse. Right? Why is it so hard to get rid of it? I'll just leave that there. (laughs) These are just questions to ask and ponder. Is there anything that the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on in my life that I need to lay down? From the homework that you saw last week or even maybe today. Am I turning to anything or anyone else to fill the emptiness of my heart other than the good shepherd? You know, Psalm 51 tells us God desires truth in the inner parts and in the hidden parts, so make me an old wisdom. So it's, it's good to get honest before the Lord, you know, when you're in the closet with him. There's a quote, and some of you here have heard it. There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man, woman, and child which cannot be filled by any created thing can't be filled by any created thing, but only God the creator can fill it. So, the Apostle Paul, he's amazing to me. Next to Jesus, I mean, he's like one of my my heroes of faith, sorry, I talk with my hands. And he said, This was his testimony. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The confidence that he had. He lived in that reality. Don't we want a testimony like that in our generation Mm -hmm. that we could pass on to others? I mean, we read his writings and how blessed are we from his writings. Again, what does our life speak to that next generation? What does that next generation see when they look at us? What do they see us pursuing in life? When we're not in church. When we're not in church. You know, our good shepherd Jesus said in Matthew 6, and I'm not going to read the whole thing there, 5, 25 through 34, where he talks about don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, drink, wear, all that. Right? Don't worry about it. Because our Heavenly Father knows that we need these things. But again, we're told, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, they'll be added unto you. Again, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. So why do I worry? Why am I worrying about temporary, eternal things when he has always taken care of us, provided? 
How many times in the Old Testament God provided for the children of Israel and they he called them, you are a stiff-necked, rebellious generation. And he still provided for them. Now, I'm not telling you to keep being a stiff-necked, rebellious generation and keep providing for you, but let's learn from them. I mean, let's bring a smile to this face and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you in this situation. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to choose to trust you in this situation because you have never, ever, 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 ever failed me. You have been so faithful to me. From the minute I came out of my mother's womb, you've been faithful, even though it may not have looked like a good story. But think of where you are today. You think about where you are today and you can look back and say, Lord, Somehow you got me through that mess, all that darkness, all that confusion. And here I sit today in the knowledge of God, longing for your return, wanting to share Jesus with any opportunity. There's an open door to share testimony with whoever or give someone hope that might be on their deathbed to be that open door. You know, to let the rivers of living water come forth in that situation. What Jesus was basically telling his people in Matthew 6 back then, focus on the things that will last forever. Focus on the things that will last forever because reality, you know, what we're going to eat, drink, wear, our bodies are going to wear out. I had two people dying in my family. They're in their 90s. One's my dad. One's my grandfather's nephew. And I just talked to his daughter today. So our bodies will wear out. Those of you that want to live a long time, think twice about that. Because my family tends to live to their 80s and 90s, and I've seen what happens. But we could get a phone call from the doctor. We could be young. Told we have some disease. Our body's going to wear out. So why do we worry? The temporary things of this world, Peter said, are going to rust. They're going to perish. But our soul lives forever. We have to be more mindful of that, that we have this body But our soul is what lives forever. One day we're going to leave this body and we are going to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord if you've truly been born again. But we should be encouraged because Jesus promised that we're going to have a glorified one day. Glorified body one day. We're going to be like the angels. What's that going to be like? And then we're going to wonder, why the heck was I worrying about all the stupid stuff and wasted time and sleepless nights? And You see why we're going to fall down at his feet and throw our crowns at his feet. See, I'm going to get to the next point. I'm going to skip over some things here because the next point here is God determines our needs. The real ones we have and our idea of what we think we need. Because he's a good shepherd. He knows 
better than we do. We might have this list thinking we need all this, and he's saying, no, this is what you need on what's over here. But we have to remember that the whole purpose behind it is what we read in Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10. He wants us to taste. He wants us to see that he is good. That he really is good and he really satisfies. Blessed is the man who trusts in him, who trusts in the Lord. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack anything. Oh, you are listening intently. She's like, really? That sounds good to me. It is good. Haven, remember these words. So Psalm 37, verse 3 through 5 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed. Feed on his faithfulness. Think about how can you feed on your faith, his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Think about how can you delight yourself in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Think about how can you start committing your way to the Lord. Because the reality is, again, we see in the Psalms, these are all David's testimonies. Psalm 84, 11, he said, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So Matthew 20, Henry Matthew, Matthew Henry. <laughs> I, that happened to me the other day and someone said, yeah, you're a little dyslexic. Because I do, I sometimes the words and the numbers twist, and they say, "Yeah, they can have dyslexia." I'm like, "What else is no? <laughs> yeah, whatever." This Psalm 84, he, this is a commentary on it. He said, "This Psalm 84 is a comprehensive promise and is such an assurance of the present comfort of the saints that whatever they desire and they think they need." They may be sure that either infinite wisdom sees it is not good for them or infinite goodness will give it to them in due time. Let it be our care to walk uprightly and then let us trust God to give us everything that is good for us. Because reality is he knows what is best for us and what's best for others. You know, sometimes we think, oh, yeah, they need this or they should do this. And we have this whole big thing and we give this whole lecture to them. And God's saying, you're totally off. How do you know what they need? You don't know what they need. You're not God. You're right, Lord. How many of us do that? And the shepherd is like, I know what they need. You're trust me. Trust me. I know what they need. And I know how to give it to them. I love that. Can you believe me to meet that need? Or do you feel like you have to have plan B just in case? Just in case. Listen to how C.S. Lewis used to pray. We all know who C.S. Lewis is, right? He would pray... God, in my ignorance, I've asked for A, B, and C. But don't give me them 
if you foresee that they would in reality be to me either snares or sorrows. What a great prayer to pray. Again, because Lord, you're the good shepherd. And you know what's going to lead me off the wrong pathway. Trust is at the heart of allowing God or the Lord to shepherd us. It's believing that if he withholds something we want, he has good reasons for doing so. Reasons that we may never know or understand. And I'm going to say, add on, on this side of eternity. Because he doesn't always answer our whys either here. He just says, be still and know that I'm God. I've heard that from him many times. Just be still and know that I'm God. Because he doesn't owe us any explanation. Job found that out, right? Spurgeon also prayed that we should too as we are waiting on the Lord for him to answer a prayer he would pray this way and this is another prayer that we can learn from him he would pray Lord if what I ask for you does not please you neither would it please me my desires are put in your hand to be corrected good prayers to pray These are our heroes of faith. They're heroes too. Why do you think it's so important to pray this way? The way Spurgeon prayed and C.S. Lewis prayed. (coughs) Confidence in who he is. is. Say again, surrendering, to his, surrendering to his will. Yes. Surrendering. I don't know what I need. I don't, just being honest, Lord, I, I really don't know what I need. I think I need this, but obviously you're telling me no because you're not answering my prayer. You know what I mean? How many times we've been there? It's obvious that's not his will. So am I willing to surrender? You know, surrender my will to him. But what about when you look at Mary and Martha, right? She had a bad attitude, Martha, in her heart. So would you say by praying prayers like C.S. Lewis prayed and Spurgeon prayed keeps us from getting a bitter heart and start accusing God? See, you're not good. You're not a good shepherd. You're not for me, you're against me. And that's next week's class. (laughs) When it seems like God's against us, but he's not, he's for us. I mean, there's times we feel that way, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, Lord, but he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So we really have to guard our hearts because we don't want to wind up in a situation like there was a time in David's life where God was truly enough for him. 
That's how she closed out the Bible study. God was truly enough for David. His testimony when he slew Goliath, who was a Philistine, a giant, a Nephaim background, fallen angel background. And yet it's amazing how he had faith that God, you could take him down. In the name of my God, you're coming down. And he took him down. But he knew it was God that did it. But yet what happened when David became king? And he was walking on that rooftop. We all know his story. He knew the Lord was his shepherd. But somehow he strayed from that. And he wound up in a situation that he suffered the consequences for. He suffered the consequences. And there are consequences when we do stray from the Lord. And it does affect the family. We see that with David. It does affect the family. But David really was a true worshiper. Because he knew, Lord, I'm still going to praise you through this. Even though I've blown it, royally, I've blown it. You're still good. You're still a good shepherd. I've had that history with you. That was his testimony. That speaks to us in our generation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. So we see the saints of old, some of them wandered. Let's learn from their example. Let's learn from the example. You know, because reality is there was a time that God was enough for David. And it's amazing how even in the midst of that knowledge of God being his shepherd, God wanted to restore him back to that reality. That yeah, David, you strayed. You walked away pretty far into deep sin. But I'm still your shepherd. I'm still your shepherd. So I want to say again, all of God's dealings with us are to teach us that he's enough. All of his dealings with us, that's his purpose. That we would truly believe, not just lip service, but believe with all of our heart, God, you're enough for me. You really are enough for me. I shared this last week, and I'm going to close on this point here. Hannah Whittle Smith from her book, The God of All Comfort, She said the last and greatest lesson that the soul has to learn is the fact that God and God alone is enough for all its needs. This is the lesson that his dealings with us are meant to teach. And this is the crowning discovery of our whole Christian life, that God is enough. So I I would like for someone to close us out tonight in prayer. Whoever feels led to close the sound in prayer. And then I'm going to turn off the recording and we'll have a little discussion here.
you are good shepherd, the one we can that we can run to, we can trust. Your word says you provide for us. Your word says you will comfort us. You will lead us. Help us to keep our eyes on those things that are eternal, that are forever. Help us to turn away from those things that are distracting us, that are pulling us from from being at your feet. Lord, we ask that you just draw us in. We ask that you would show us those places where we are turning to other things. Lord, increase in us our desire for you. Increase in us our, our calling upon you. Lord, help us to live surrendered and in trusting you with the choices ahead of us and with the with the time um, that we have. Help us to see those places that are we're trying to to, to soothe ourselves, to comfort ourselves in ways that are not of you, Lord. And we just pray for your your word to strengthen us this week, to awaken us this week. We pray, Lord, that you would just come. Just, just hold us. Hold us and tell us what it is you need us to hear this week. We ask that you get our attention. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes. We ask that we would hear you and we would be obedient to you. Just thank you for bringing us together tonight. Lord, we just, um, we are so grateful, Lord. We don't tell you enough. Thank you enough. For all the things you're doing in our lives right now. Let's just just um, trust you, seek you, love.